Okay. Hello and welcome everybody to Dark Hello. Alignment Podcast. I am Brittany. And I'm Amy, also Ruka Rose on uh, Instagram. I'm at Britt Oakley on Instagram and all the other places. Uh, you can follow us in many, many places. We're on, um, let's see, at Dark Alignment on Instagram. We're at Alignment Dark mm-hmm. on TikTok. We're on Twitter, which I think we're at Alignment Dark. I think it's, yeah, look at TikTok and Twitter. But yes, we'll uh, so we're, on, we're on the things. They're all, uh, all the links are in the description of uh, wherever you're watching this. Also, if you hop on, we got a link tree with all of it. So. That's true. We do have link tree. So make mm-hmm. sure you like, follow, subscribe. Um, you can also join our Patreon if you want some extra content, some bonus content. So um, yeah, we're everywhere. We're on all the platforms. So check us out. And last time we were here, we did an emergency episode. We, we came in to talk about the case of the missing Morgan Nick. And it's interesting kind of how that all happened. You've watched the episode or listened to the episode if you haven't. Um, and if you aren't familiar with that case, it's going to be big. It's There's so many things uh, developing right now. Mm-hmm. But the documentary that we talked about, it did air, but it only aired locally on a local news channel. One time. One time. Um, they said they will not be replaying it. And I know why. Like, I, I, mm-hmm. I missed it and I was really upset about it. And we were both She's definitely probably a little more upset. Definitely. I was mad. I, but I understand because I know that their whole motivation for doing that was to get more leads locally. Mm-hmm. And, um, yes. like, I feel like what they're going to do is they're going to finish out the documentary once this case is solved. And that will be the point that we will probably see it on a bigger platform mm-hmm. because it is very close. I feel like that's probably why they're going to hold mm-hmm. off. Um, the purpose right I hope now. That's it. That would be amazing. Yeah, uh, the purpose right now, I think, is just to continue to um, educate people on the case and also to get new leads, um, specifically with the pickup truck that was seen in the parking lot taking Morgan when she was abducted. So the red truck with the white camper shell in 1995. Anybody, if you lived in the state of Arkansas at that time, um, and you know anybody who drove a truck like that, like. They are taking tips right now. This is an open case, open investigation. We're going to keep giving updates um, as things unfold. But that's all we really got for now. Um, I did see uh, Follow the Morgan Nick Foundation also on Mm -hmm. Instagram. They post a lot of uh, great things about what they're doing and the work they're doing and also updates on the case. So, Mm -hmm. But this time, we are going to be talking about a super heavy hitter. We're going to talk about Ted Bundy today, and this is one that we've held off on for a while. We have. We've known we wanted to do this one in a long time, and we did not. We have not done it yet. I just knew the level of research involved in this was kind of um, going to be a little bit extra. This is going to be a little bit longer, Mm -hmm. um, just to tell the story, because there is so much, and I'm only going to do really a high-level overview still. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not going to go into detail about the actual crimes because they're fucked up and terrible. And you can find them anywhere if you want to know more about them. But Mm -hmm. uh, And I'll tell you more about the media and things too. But real quick, I'm going to go ahead and start off with my sources here. Um, My favorite source always is Wikipedia. So please donate. Uh, I've already made my annual donation. I feel Mm -hmm. good about it. Um, There's a bunch of other sources too that I'm going to list. But a big reason of why... We are doing this episode is it's dedicated to our friend Courtney over at the Astral Chat podcast. Check them out. Um, please check them out. 
And if you haven't heard of our, like, our holiday crossover episode that we did with them, that one's mm-hmm. a lot of fun. We talk about Ted Bundy on the episode because he's mm-hmm. Courtney's birthday twin. Yeah, I was like, this birthday, I recognize it. I've done a lot of readings for Courtney. <laughs> yes, so um, that's mm-hmm. kind of like a, a weird connection uh, there. So, Courtney, mm-hmm. shout out to you. Shout out to you as well, Britt. We love you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but claim to fame on Ted Bundy, how you will probably know him. He was a prolific American serial killer who kidnapped, raped, and murdered numerous young women and girls during the mid to late 1970s. Uh, And before his execution in 1989, he confessed to over 30 homicides that he committed in seven different states Mm. over just a four-year span. It was kind of a small window of time. He was very active. Um, Often, at times, it was one victim a month, kind of on average, um, which is fucking terrifying. And they all, you know, looked almost identical. Um, They were all around the same age. It was just, you know, that's when you know there's something really fucking terrible going on. Mm -hmm. Um, the actual number of victims, though, is presumed to be a lot higher. There are actually still many open cases that are still being linked to Ted Bundy to this day. Again, he's been, he was executed in 1989. Mm-hmm. And they are still, you know, there's still unsolved wow. cases that are being attributed to him. Um, he was also, one thing that makes him just, like, so terrifying is that he's also known for being handsome, charming, charismatic, extremely intelligent. Um, that's really not what you think of when you think of, uh... A psychopath and a serial mm-hmm. killer, like you do think of somebody who's like that creepy guy, not the really well-spoken, well-dressed guy that uh, you could take home to your parents and they would love him kind mm-hmm. of guy. Like, but that's what he was. He was very much um, a wolf in sheep's clothing all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a ton of movies and all kinds of media and shit about him. So uh, you've probably already heard about just how poor and unpopular he is. So, um, another interesting thing, when you're talking about serial killers, there's different categories, and Mm -hmm. he actually fits into two different ones. Oh. Um, So, he is the sexually sadistic serial killer and also a necrophilic serial killer. Wow. So, um, it's just really interesting that you would have both because we had somebody like Ed Dean who um, was, you know, in the necrophilic category. Mm -hmm. Um, Jeffrey Dahmer would cross over into both where he was sexually sadistic as well as necrophiliac. Mm -hmm. But it's it's just um, interesting for them to be in multiple categories like that. So media as fuck. Here we go. So we've talked about her before. I've I've watched a ton of interviews with her today. Um, Author (laughs) Anne Rule. Uh, she's a true crime writer. She's amazing. She mm-hmm. wrote the book Small Sacrifices about Diane Downs. So we talked about that in season one, episode five. Uh, but Anne Rule also wrote the infamous book The Stranger Beside Me about her experience of knowing Ted personally. She actually worked with him and described him as a psychopath, um, or excuse me, a sociopath, mm-hmm. who took pleasure in other people's pain and the control he had over his victims. Um There are a total of seven other books about Ted Bundy, also seven movies, including the most recent one that we were just talking about before we started recording with Zac Efron. Mm -hmm. Um, There are five separate television series about him. Uh, There's an Amazon Prime series called Falling for a Killer, which is, that's where his longtime girlfriend Liz talks a lot about him. She's interviewed in that. Um, There's just so much out there, so much on YouTube. So this is probably not a new story to you. But we're going to go ahead and get into the young life of Ted Bundy and kind of just uncover how he came to be. Yes, I'm very curious. And what shocks me a little bit about his upbringing 
is that it was not particularly horrific in comparison to so many other um, people who grow up to become violent criminals. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's almost like you would expect it to be so much worse for how he turned out. So it's interesting. And not that it's without issues, but I find that interesting. Mm-hmm. So Ted was born in a home for unwed mothers. Oh. In 1946. Um, his father's identity has actually never been confirmed. And the thing about his mother being sent there, she wasn't a teen mom. She was 23. But you have to think this is 1946, where it's a big deal to be an unwed mother. And you gotta go. Yeah. But I guess when I initially, like, learned that, I assumed she must have been very, very young. Mm-hmm. And by, even by those standards, like, 23 and 1946. Still. It's... Like, that's that's considered, like, you're, you should have already had kids years mm-hmm. and years ago. Right. Your, your clock's ticking as well. Like, okay. So that's interesting to me as well. Um, so nobody quite knows who his biological father is. Uh, it was suspected by some people that it was his maternal grandfather. But that was not, it's not confirmed. So this is just rumor mill kind of going. That's interesting. Um, Lots of speculation there. Mm -hmm. Um, So interesting. But he actually lived with his grandparents for the first three years of his life because of the social stigma associated with being an unmarried mom. So it was very fucking scandalous. Uh, And for a long time, he thought his mother was his older sister. He was raised to believe that she was his older sister. Oh, uh, he eventually found out when he was around the age of 23, which is interesting because that's how old his mom was when she had him. Uh, he found his birth certificate, and I'm sure that was not an easy thing to deal with. He definitely resented his mom his entire life because of this. He never mm-hmm. got to know who his dad was. His mom was oh, a lie, God. so that was, you know, probably pretty traumatic. Um, he did like his grandparents, though, from what people say. Uh, he respected his grandfather and really kind of clung to him, but mm-hmm. also claimed that this man was a horrible, like, abusive racist uh, who beat them all and the family pets, so I'm not sure. I don't really know. It does seem like there was quite a bit of violence. Um, mm-hmm. His grandmother, I have a very soft spot for her. Uh, she was actually very timid and had to get electroconvulsive therapy or oh, ECT no. treatments uh, for her clinical depression. I'm very familiar with this. My grandmother has the same diagnosis. Really? And still gets CCT treatments to this day. She's been getting them for about the last 16 years. So I know a whole lot about this diagnosis and a whole lot about this type of treatment. Um, It's only reserved for cases of extreme depression. Wow. So I really feel for this this little woman and Mm -hmm. hope she didn't have a horrible abusive husband. It sounds like she kind of did. Regardless, Ted's already a problem. So... This is disturbing as fuck. In his early <laughs> years, um, like, the adults around him were already noticing, like, there's something not quite right here. Uh, a female family member recalled a time when she woke up from a nap only to find herself surrounded by knives, like kitchen knives, uh, all around her, like, facing her, like, pointing at her. Mm-hmm. And just, like, a little Ted standing there smiling, just, like, enjoying it and being real creepy. So, um, he was also kind of passed around a lot, like, between his mom and his grandparents Mm -hmm. and then, like, a random cousin. And then when um, he got a little bit older, his mother got married. And this was when Ted was five. And this is actually when he was adopted and got the last name Bundy. He was not born with that last name. It was an adoptive name. It started with a C. Okay. Cowl? Crowl? 
I wish I would have made note on it. Um, so somebody, feel free to comment and call me on that. I can look it up really quick. Can you look it up really quick? I want to see yeah. how close I am. His his uh, birth name. I want to say it was like Crowl, Cowl. I don't know. We've got our team doing the research here on the site. Cowl. Oh, what? Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> all right, cool. I guess my brain is more trustworthy than I give it credit for sometimes. Wow. Um, so, yeah, he didn't become Ted Bundy, Theodore Bundy, until he was five. Hmm. Um, and then his mom and new stepdad went on to have four more kids. So he's the oldest, oh. and he's the only one who's, like, the blended child, and it's not his dad. He doesn't know who his dad is. And, like, so it's an interesting situation. That is interesting. But, of course, he kind of, like, isolated himself and stayed pretty distant. I think he probably, like, assumed the role of an only child is kind of what it seems like. I get yeah. Um, and then later, in later interviews, Ted talks about, like, he didn't understand friendships. He didn't understand how to create them. Um, but by all accounts, he was extremely sociable and charismatic and, like, had lots of acquaintances. I feel like that really is, he didn't know how to form meaningful relationships. He can form surface level, superficial relationships, but because he, like, his inability to have real feelings like mm-hmm. all he could do was emulate emotions he was not oh, ever able to actually feel them himself mm-hmm. so i'm sure that makes um like maintaining real relationships impossible if you can't you know relate to people and you don't have empathy so and that's typical of a psychopath they're very emotionally shallow people again they just know how to mimic human emotions they don't actually have them right um and they're usually really intelligent very linguistically gifted which ted was he could charm anyone he knew mm-hmm. uh, it was all for personal gain and wasn't about building relationships with people at all that was not his goal um any relationships he did build were to serve a purpose uh his own interest so that's he, it was all about manipulation for him so Evolution of a fuckface. Here we go. Um, so, uh, you might be wondering, did uh, did Ted Bundy have any talents or special <laughs> skills, perhaps? Well, he did. Okay. It's random right. as fuck. All right. I thought this was kind of hilarious. He got really into downhill skiing. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, to follow his passion, he found a way to make seeing a regular part of his life um, by using stolen equipment and forged lift tickets. So this is kind of like his first entry into this path of crime. He was still in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he was also arrested at least twice on suspicion of burglary, auto theft. Um, so he was committing these like more petty crimes, these smaller crimes, again, for personal gain and just to do what he wants and get what he wants. Um, but his record was actually white clean when he turned 18. So those didn't follow him, but he was already, you can already see the behavior where he's uh, dipping into that, like, criminal type lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So now, Bundy, the college years. (laughs) Again, he was really intelligent. Uh, That's part of what makes him so scary, because he was always a step ahead of everybody. He was always a step ahead of the police, a step ahead of his victims. Um, People described him as being both smart and aggressive, which is... I don't know, an intimidating combination, I think. Um, He found out, like, he found himself in and out of college. Like, he was kind of, would go for a while and come out for various things, too. So he studied a lot of different subjects, everything from Chinese to psychology. And then after he got a psychology degree, he was going to (laughs) law school. Of course. So he was Mm -hmm. an honor student. 
He made excellent <laughs> grades. His professors loved him. Um, so it's really, really interesting. But also during this time, he worked at Seattle's uh, Seattle, Washington Suicide Hotline Crisis Center. And this is actually where he met and worked with Ann Rule. Whoa. So they're working to help people. Meanwhile, he's also, like, hurting people. This and, seems like, like, you know, something that someone who didn't experience human emotions like would do is try to learn. That's where you learn yes. the most about Absolutely. the way the pe- other people's minds are working. Yep. Um, and I know that they tend to not do well in therapy and abuse therapy. This is what I, that is exactly what I was about mm-hmm. to say. Um, I've seen interviews with therapists who were working with Ted Bundy. And the thing with a psychopath is they really are great. They're so good at manipulating people mm-hmm. that therapy just teaches them how to be better psychopaths and better manipulators. And that is, like, his psychologist would actually say, like, I, I could feel him starting to manipulate me. And I had to, like, stop it. Like, I had oh to, like, God. get out of it. So he's dangerous. Um, I've watched tons of interviews with him. And it's the way he speaks and the way he goes about things, it's just... It's so crafty. Like, it's Mm. knowing what he's doing and watching him do it is a really fascinating experience Mm. because you can see the effect he has on everyone around him. And Mm -hmm. he's in control. In the the way that he makes people think they're in control. Mm -hmm. And it's so, so... Just flip the script. It's super gross. Um, He was also, like a lot of psychopaths, involved in politics on and off. And guess who Mm -hmm. he has this in common with? Do you remember? This should be a quiz. I'm going to put this on a quiz. I don't remember people's names or stories or... I love you. uh, (laughs) I remember... uh, No. Okay. All right. Um, Well, he has this in common with John Wayne Gacy. Uh, And Ted Bundy was a proud Republican, I just want to say. So, if you're a Republican, Ted Bundy was also... Just so you know. He's your guy. Sorry, I just had to. I just thought that was really funny because it was so openly, like, just put on everything that he was a Republican. And then mm-hmm. I actually saw somebody post a bumper sticker, and I reshared it because it was so funny. It just said Ted Bundy was a Republican. And I shared that's it. That's all. That's I, the whole bumper sticker. Bumper sticker. It's, like, it's, so, it's just a fact that's funny. Oh, I mean, there's definitely some wild... <laughs> Liberals, too. So there, No, there's wild everything. It's but just, the fact that I saw that on a bumper <laughs> sticker, if I saw that, like, out in the world, I saw somebody reshared it. Like, oh. somebody posted it that they saw in someone else's vehicle. It is funny. So funny. I want to, if it was your bumper <laughs> sticker, please DM me, because I think you're funny. <laughs> anyway, classic case of a psychopath. Hilarious. Loves politics. Um, I don't really understand. I mean, I do understand the connection. Uh, because most presidents and successful leaders are considered mm-hmm. corporate psychopaths. It's a common personality trait. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and actually, there's a book about it called Snakes in Suits. Because mm-hmm. their emotions aren't holding them back from, like, pursuing. Right! Exactly! Mm-hmm. And they're smooth talkers, and they're charming, mm-hmm. and they're... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So, anyway, at this point, um, he met and fell in love with a woman named Elizabeth. Or Liz. Um, But before her, this is something I did not know about. Before her, he actually did have one other meaningful relationship. So his whole life, he doesn't really date. He doesn't really have relationships, like, through school or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But he did, his very first girlfriend, her name was Stephanie Brooks. Mm -hmm. And he dated her for about a year. He was very serious about her. This was before, rumored, before he had started killing Um, but 
I guess she broke it off. He was a lot more serious than she was. Mm-hmm. Um, she kind of thought he was, like, immature, not going anywhere, like, not really um, doing much with his life. And then after this is when he, like, started all the college things and started, like, really going for it. Oh. And then when he met Liz, he was actually still talking to Stephanie uh, and hoping to kind of, like, win her back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he ends up being with Liz. And also Stephanie Brooks is the girl that all the victims uh, look like. Oh, my God. Liz actually looks a lot like her, too. They're all, like, the dark-haired, long-haired, uh, middle part. Wow. Very similar, like, beautiful, dark-haired girls so all around the same age so it's really uh, fascinating but stephanie brooks was a new person that i had learned about i've always heard about liz and um although i'm sure it's because you know stephanie brooks was a girlfriend early on mm-hmm. and for a shorter period but he actually liz and he had dated his entire uh crime spree and after he went to prison the first time mm-hmm. and the movie that zach afron um does like where he plays ted bundy uh, the whole thing is from her perspective, which is really cool. It's really well done. Again, um, can't say enough, like, how good that movie is if you get a chance to watch it. It's a different side of the story that you don't often get a chance to hear or see mm-hmm. unless you seek out stuff with her in it. So, But later, he starts, like, skipping classes, and even while he was in law school, like, he just, his grades start to slip. And that's also when women start to really go missing. So it seems he's he distracted. Gets stressed and then he's probably a little distracted. Oh yes, or that. So let's mm-hmm. talk uh, trigger warning. I haven't done a trigger warning yet, but we're getting into kind of the gross areas. So we're going to talk about him being very garbage. Um, again, he's this handsome, charismatic guy, and he exploited those traits to win the trust of his victims and all the people mm-hmm. around him. So. And nobody even really knows when or where he started his spree. There's different versions of his story that he's told once he was caught. Um, But what we do know is that he approached his victims in public places, which is pretty brazen. He was usually faking some sort of an injury or a disability. Oh. Sometimes he was impersonating an authority figure. Um, And he would knock his victims unconscious and take them to secluded locations rape them, strangle them, usually bludgeon them. That was his favorite, which is just speaks to the violent mm-hmm. nature. Um, there's so many different methods of, uh, of murder that we see with these different serial killers. And, you know, the common ones for people who are like to have these personal attacks would be strangulation and manual strangulation. Mm-hmm. And also to not leave evidence and not, you know, Ted Bundy wasn't really, didn't seem concerned at all with that fucking shit. Like he is mm-hmm. bludgeoning someone is so no bi- violent and insane and also think about the amount of evidence mm-hmm. going everywhere is, yeah. and the, it's not a clean it's so violent and, and what years were the 1974 to 1978 so they had some like oh they had yeah, they had dna they had testing it wasn't great they could do blood typing i mm-hmm. think they actually had dna they couldn't do like mitochondrial mm-hmm. dna and they couldn't do yeah. anything with hairs because they did find hairs that they were saying were similar to this similar to that but they, yeah. but they couldn't you know conclusively test like we can now um so this is but they definitely like he was absolutely leaving lots of evidence taking like getting evidence everywhere if you think about Mm. From the perspective, the way certain killers choose their approach is to minimize 
mm-hmm. that type of evidence. Yeah, he he, d- he did not care. He was just very violent. Um, and so one of the things that he did a lot, he would wear a sling to act like he was injured. Wow. And then he would, like, drop his books or he would, like, ask for help or mm-hmm. he would make him seem like he was harmless and subdued somehow uh, and get these young women to come near his vehicle and to come help him. And then that's when he would attack them. As soon as they were, like, vulnerable and, like, being nice. And also, he's, like, handsome. So, I'm sure that mm-hmm. by 1970 standards, I think he's really fucking gross. Um, <laughs> but perhaps by 1970 standards, he's he's not a scary-looking person is, I guess, the best way to put it. Um, so, during the first half of his 1974 semester, tons of female college students are disappearing. Again, I mentioned this earlier, but about one a month. The police didn't have very many leads. Um, he never wore a disguise, though. So this is this is what's so interesting. He um, the reports were a brown-haired male with various injuries. Again, the sling, crutches. One time, he even used a fucking leg cast, which is <laughs> gross. Um, and something even grosser is during this time, he is the assistant director of the Seattle Crime Prevention Advisor- Advisory Advisory. What am I writing? Commission. <laughs> I know what you're saying. He wrote a fucking pamphlet for women on rape prevention. Of course. It's so, it pisses me expert. off. Mm-hmm. It just pisses me off so bad. Uh, yeah, it's infuriating. It's yeah. definitely infuriating. It makes me really, really mad. Okay. And it shows you that the type of people who are victim blaming are perpetrators. Too. Uh-huh. You know, or they uh-huh. or they have it in them or they've thought about it and didn't think it, you know, they just, or they have friends that they want to defend. Like For him, it's like he was almost getting off on the fact that he mm-hmm. was pulling this off and fooling oh, yeah. everyone. He's smarter than everyone and just loves that. It made him feel really powerful. And it's, uh, it's so gross. Um, he also worked at the Department for Emergency Services, uh, and that is the agency that searched for all the missing women that he was abducting, raping, and murdering. So he's involved. He's understanding where they're at in investigation. That's really common, too. You see this with serial killers and serial offenders, that they will be too involved mm-hmm. um, and get overly... And get really involved in that. And why not? He feels like he can. Right. He and can it's do, more... He feels like he, he thinks he can do anything. Well, more than anything, it helps them stay one step ahead. Yeah. Even people mm-hmm. who aren't... Uh, psychopathic will do this just because they want to know how much mm-hmm. the police know. And that's a way to do it, is to infiltrate that. And that, a lot of people in law enforcement who commit crimes, like, that's why they can continue to evade um, is for that same reason. So it's, it's ugh, gross. So people were terrified, especially women. <laughs> this is all over the news. There's panic. Law enforcement's under a lot of pressure. Everybody wants them off the street. Like, fucking go get this guy Mm -hmm. um and again there's so many similarities between the victimology of the attacks that they were able to link them the the disappearance were all taking place at night Mm -hmm. they uh were usually near like a construction area like a place where there's some ongoing construction work Mm -hmm. they were usually within a week of midterms or final exams which is interesting um all of the victims were wearing slacks or blue jeans Mm mm-hmm uh, and at most of the crime scenes, there were sightings of a man in a cast or a mm-hmm. sling driving a brown or tan Volkswagen Beetle. So his crimes continued to escalate with the violence, and he was becoming more reckless. He attacked two young females in broad daylight with a ton of witnesses at a park. 
Like he, and then he repeated it again at another park. Like with all the media coverage and everything, like witnesses started coming forward. Um, Police finally had a good description of him. Mm-hmm. And they were able to create a composite sketch. So, like, his day... When he started mm-hmm. day creeping, that was kind of where he was really... Uh, day creep. Kind of uh, <laughs> fucked things up. Um, and he was giving out his real name. So he was approaching all these different women and talking to them that day. Uh-huh. And being like, hi, I'm Ted. Like, he was giving... That's how fucking arrogant he uh-huh. was. He was giving out his real name. So... The tip line is blowing up, and even Liz, his longtime girlfriend, and Ann Ruler, Ann Ruler, Ann Rule, and another coworker, um, a psych professor, and other acquaintances, like tons of people start recognizing the sketch and the car. The car specifically, it's really striking. It's mm-hmm. like this, like, it's almost like a nude color of like a Volkswagen bug. <laughs> so it's a really Mm-hmm. But it's noticeable. It's really, really gross. Um, but everybody's like, yeah, I know that guy. And then the police had a really hard time believing that someone so clean cut, college student, like, they just thought like, that this, they, this could not be the person they were looking for. Um, so his appearance definitely helped him get away with a lot here. So wow. because this is like everything going on. He uh, changes scenery. He goes to Utah. He actually ended up going to a lot of different states. He was in, like, Utah for a while. He had been in Seattle, Washington for a while. He was in Colorado for a while. Mm-hmm. So he's just kind of moving around. Um, but he's slow. he's still committing these serial murders Wherever everywhere he is. He is. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I was course, about to ask you about that. Yeah. Based on his shirt. So, of course, back then, that's the other thing is, like, these different jurisdictions and different states certainly were not sharing uh-huh. any data. So um, they were finally able to connect it Huge all. crow in the tree out there, by the way. I've been, okay, I've, I've been trying to befriend the crows and I've been feeding them. They're her favorite. They are my favorite. So I've been <laughs> trying to make friends with crows, so that makes me really They found happy. you. They found me. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I don't usually see crows over here. I usually see other birds. Yes. They went away. It's going well. Thank you. Thank you for telling me. Um, so, yeah. Basically, he's relocated. He's he's super frustrated from trying to, like, lay low. He's not doing well in school, and it's, like, a big blow to his ego. He's all fucking frustrated. Mm-hmm. So, of course, he's going to start up his spree again and start killing yes. again. He keeps it up again, like, every two weeks for several months. Ugh. Like... He just, he gets so wrapped up in it. In an interview, several years later, Ted actually described his post-mortem rituals with the corpses. No. Mm-hmm. hmm That's pretty gross. Are you ready? Very detailed. Some of these rituals include um, shampooing their hair, putting on makeup. Um, yeah, he often decapitated his victims that was actually one of the things he was very known oh for God. like there were a lot of um victims whose uh bodies were found without the head and the heads had not been recovered um it's really gross he actually would revisit some of his corpses and have post-mortem sexual contact with them um so he's super fucking disgusting and 
you know, I mentioned this before, but, like, sometimes he would pretend to be an authority figure. So, Mm -hmm. uh, one of his last times that he, like, before he was finally caught, he pretends to be a cop. Doesn't go well for him, actually. He, (laughs) this young woman that he abducts, he tells her, basically, like, oh, somebody tried to break into your car. We need to go down the station and fill out a report, and Mm -hmm. I'm going to drive you in my Volkswagen Beetle. She's like... Um, okay. And so she gets in his car. She realizes they're not going the way to the police station. And as soon as she, like, questions it, he handcuffs her. So Mm. he put both the cuffs on one wrist on her. So he didn't, he, she fought and he did not get them all the way on her. So she Mm -hmm. escapes. She fucking jumps out of the moving car. She, um, like gets help they end up finding the key to the handcuffs in a parking lot and it turns out he had um there had been another woman who'd gone missing that same night whoa uh, from the parking lot so can you fucking imagine so she later identifies him she got a really good look at him because Mm -hmm. he approached her and she talked to him so she saw him when she was already like calm and had no reason to be Mm -hmm. afraid of him and then got in a car with him and then he attacked her so she had a lot of contact and again, he didn't wear disguises. So she mm-hmm. easily identified him in a lineup. Uh, she also testified against him. Um, so he's definitely fucked now when, you know, the police catch up to him, detain him. He uh, was charged with kidnapping. He was sentenced to 15 years in prison. So this is all, this is all sounding really good. Mm-hmm. Um, they also knew he was linked to other murders, so they wanted to, like... like they knew that something else, yeah. yeah. So they had him on this kidnapping, but they knew he had done a lot more, so they were glad to at least have him to, mm-hmm. you know, investigate all his other shit. And then, of course, after he was detained, he opted to serve as his own legal counsel. He fired his attorneys and is just going to represent himself. Um, and during this, he actually, he successfully escaped police custody during the recess of his preliminary hearing. Whoa. Um, he jumped out of a two-story fucking window, uh, which is just nuts. Uh, and then he spent the next six days as a fugitive of justice before being pulled over by the police for driving erratically in a stolen car. So, didn't go great. Um, also, like, initially when police caught up with him and they detained him, they found a fuck ton of evidence mm-hmm. in the car. Uh, they were, there was, like, a ski mask. There was, like, you know, like, murder, murdery yeah, stuff. Yeah, obvious stuff. Very, very murdery stuff in his car. So he was, like, super fucked, tries to escape, gets detained again. <laughs> and it's just so ridiculous. Um, he actually is... Very famous for escaping another time once they actually had him in prison. So he already escapes once just for the preliminary hearing. They don't even make it through the fucking first hearing before they lose him. Mm -hmm. I think it was they let him go to the bathroom or they let him go somewhere. And he was like, He fucking jumps out a two-story window and makes himself, uh, he was such a chameleon. He was able Mm -hmm. to just like pass himself off as like, I'm supposed to be here. Insane. So after (laughs) they caught him. He escapes again, and this is nuts. So he ends up losing 30 pounds, which on his, he's a smaller, like, well, okay, so he's mm-hmm. between 5'8 and 5'10, not a big guy. Um, so losing 30 pounds made him pretty thin. 
Uh, he said it was like a food boycott because it was like the the food was gross. Like he made it a big thing, you know, like made it really dramatic, mm-hmm. made a big deal. Um, but he was actually starving himself so that he could fit through a hole in the ceiling or in like the air duct that he had been like carving in his spare time. Wow. So he his whole goal is to be thin enough to slide through it, and that's exactly what he did. He slips through the fucking walls. He walks out of the prison. Walks out. Walks out. <laughs> so oh this is really bad. Um because this was this escape was on New Year's Eve too. So people are also distracted. Yeah. And like he he knew how to time It'd be hard it. to get a big news story out right then. And also the guard like people are probably distracted mm-hmm. in the prison. Mm-hmm. Um he just knew right when to do this. Um so he's out there for weeks. And nobody knows where he is. And there's no new crimes. And everybody is terrified that there's Mm -hmm. a serial killer on the loose. And nobody knows where the fuck he is. He was laying low. And he was out for about a month before he, of course, couldn't fucking take it anymore. And has to start committing his crimes again. So, uh, this is so bad. During this escape from prison... He commits one of the most disturbing crimes. Um, no. Yeah. This one, uh, Courtney actually has like two degrees of separation from one of the uh, survivors of this attack. It was, I believe, her mom's friend um, was a survivor and actually testified and everything. Like That's... Yeah. Oh so this is this is really bad. So he breaks into the Chi Omega sorority house and he brutally sexually assaults and bludgeons four young women within about 15 minutes. He went room to room and he bludgeoned them, his weapon, like a fucking tree branch to beat them to death. Like, he didn't actually kill all of them. He severely injured several of them. And I, yeah, it was really, really disturbing. So two of his victims died as a result of the attack. The other two were seriously injured, like I said. The same night, the same night, Ted broke into the home of another young woman and repeated the attack on a new victim. She actually managed to survive her injuries as well. He would go on to rape and murder his final victim, a 12-year-old girl before police could finally apprehend him and take him back into custody. So the thought of those four brutal attacks in 15 minutes, the level of rage that somebody would have mm-hmm. to have, is a fucking nightmare. It's disgusting. Um, so more things. Uh, Ted talking about himself. This is... Every interview that he does, he knows how fascinated people are with him. And he enjoys kind of playing it up. Uh, He once called himself the most cold-hearted son of a bitch you'll ever meet. In a 1981 interview about his crimes, he was quoted as saying, It hurts you. I guess I'm in the enviable position of not having to deal with guilt. He literally had no fear of consequences, which you can see Mm -hmm. um, during his prison escape. Like, he didn't actually lay low. Who knows how long he could have been out there if he, like, could have not continued to to commit crimes. He he could not stop himself, obviously. Um, 
he didn't he, he just really didn't make attempts to like stay hidden so much he just tried to more so blend in which is interesting he used fake identities he stole vehicles he committed burglaries mm-hmm. he uh, did a lot more violent things Overall, any attempts to conceal himself were done in an effort to continue attacking women. And it had nothing to do with avoiding punishment at all. Mm -hmm. So, thank goodness they do catch him. uh, Because he certainly wasn't concerned at all consequences. It was almost like he knew he could just get away with it more. He's like, well, Mm -hmm. I can just escape prison. Like, they can't keep me in there. Like, he just really felt so powerful even when they had taken his power away as much as, like, you can take someone's power away, like putting someone in jail. There's really no further like removal of your power than being in prison. And he still was like, nah, I'm just going to walk out. And he did. And it's crazy. So, all right, now let's get to this the whole trial. thing is crazy. This whole thing is crazy. It's got to get a little it's, crazier. Okay. So <laughs> you're going to be interested in this for sure. There's this, more interest. Oh yeah. We're getting into the trial. We haven't even really talked about the trial. Oh, Again, during the trial, Ted fucking represents himself. He's being a super piece of shit. He's actually allowed to cross-examine witnesses, his own victims and survivors. Did he just talk his way into that? I don't know how they allowed it, but it was very not good. Very traumatic Mm -hmm. for the victims to have the person who tried Mm -hmm. murder them fucking cross-examining them. It should never have been allowed, but, like, again, this is the fucking 70s. There's a lot different... Getting to the trial portion, this is equally crazy to everything else, so just get ready. (laughs) So after, you know, the trial and the convictions, he was actually only charged with three murders in total, even though there were uh, presumed to be a lot more than 30. He confessed to at least 30, um, but only convicted of three. Again, once you're sentenced to... He was sentenced to death. Once you're sentenced to death, it's kind of like continuing to drag it out and continuing to um, accrue court costs mm-hmm. and appeals and exhaust all these things. Like, um, it's it's uh, not the best way to spend the state's money, especially mm-hmm. when they already know and the number of victims in this case. It's So there are still to this day um, several cases that are continuously being linked to mm-hmm. Ted Bundy and attributed to him. It's it's wild. There are still a lot of open cases and inv- open <laughs> investigations in this. So all these years later, it's really, really, really crazy. So convicted, uh, sentenced to death by electrocution. So the electric chair, he um, that is now not a thing. We actually looked it up. Or no, we looked up something different. We looked up firing squad. Yeah, we did. We, we wanted to know about the firing squad. Um, but electrocution is considered cruel and unusual punishment. Firing squad in some states. Is that a good? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, yeah, I'm still going. We've had, we're having some camera issues. Yeah, we're, so I'm well paranoid about the camera not continuing. <laughs> we keep having to, like, re- stop and start. So. Yeah, so making sure we're good. Sorry if I call out anything. It's clearly mm-hmm. just being observant <laughs> and scared. So, anyway, back to this. <laughs> um... Death by electric chair. Uh, firing squad is still allowed in a couple of states, which is interesting. It's still allowed in Utah and <laughs> Mississippi and Oklahoma, which mm-hmm. is just... It just seems strange. Like We were talking about the different uh, forms of punishment that are mm-hmm. no longer allowed, and that was one that I thought was super interesting. Was it is interesting. Firing squad. Um, so while Ted is on death row... 
He continues to be super fucking manipulative, and he ends up manipulating a past friend and love interest named Carol Boone. She visited him and aided him, like, since day one, since the very beginning of his arrest time. He had known her prior, so he had been charming her for a long time, but of course he was with Liz for so long. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, once Liz realized he was actually guilty of these crimes and just dealing with that, like, she was done engaging Mm -hmm. with him and um she was done but he's like cool i've got carol it's fine (laughs) he's just such a piece of shit um and then during the penalty phase of his trial (sighs) ted shocks the court by using a loophole in florida law to validate a marriage between himself and carol by simply declaring the marriage uh in the presence of a judge in in open court so Mm. they were legally married under florida law Great job, everyone. Uh, although uh, the marriage still didn't permit conjugal visits, uh, he didn't get that perk on death row. Ted still becomes a father while awaiting execution. So that happened. Uh, Carol actually continued to believe in Ted's innocence until he made a full confession of his crimes the night before he was put to death. So. Hmm. His ability to charm and con and manipulate everyone around him remained fully intact until his last moments on Earth. And even throughout his confessions, uh, Ted never assumed any responsibility. He never expressed remorse. He didn't have any, so he's not going to express that. Uh, Again, no feelings. Um, Instead, he did a lot of blaming. So he blamed his upbringing. He blamed his mom and her concealment of his father's identity. (laughs) He blamed the media. Mm -hmm. He blamed his victims. Mm -hmm. He blamed society. (laughs) Uh, But he definitely blamed pornography. And we Mm -hmm. talked a little about about this as Mm -hmm. well. I feel like he's really just playing to his audience on whoever he, whatever excuse he thinks will work in the moment with the people he's around or interviewing him or anything. Mm -hmm. And especially in the court system. Um, there's, like, uh, all these people trying to kind of rehab these, and I say that in quotes for those just listening, like, air quotes, like, re- you know, you can rehab some people, but you can't he, rehab is not, a psychopath. he is not wanting to be rehabilitated in any way. No. He's not, um, to, you know, and a lot of times they're just trying to push Christianity on the inmates, and I think that, uh, abstinence and all of these things, these, these purity type values in Christianity um he knew that he he could use that as like a a thing to like win him props in right in the system I think and it's funny um, I like, was oh it was the porn it was the, it was the impure stuff that got to me like I think that that is more of just him trying to manipulate and people. this interview that I'm specifically talking about mm-hmm. is so fucking gross and annoying and the person interviewing him is actually an evangelist preacher like one that does like TV stuff mm-hmm. so it's uh, real. the guy himself I'm sure is like real cheeseball but of course is real interested in this pornography interview it's just him talking about how porn is bad for a fucking hour <laughs> it's so annoying it made me want to punch him in the face because anybody who has ever looked at any research studies on it violent pornography does not create violence no people who already have a propensity for violence and watch violent pornography it may reinforce what is already there but it does not somebody who is non-violent and watches a violent pornography is not going to go out and do violent things no. this, this is not well, it's not a cause of, no. of violence or serial killers but this whole interview that ted does that's how he approaches it the way he talks to this guy he's like no, no, no. 
listen, from my experience as a blah, 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 like he just conducts himself as the expert on the matter and it's just really gross to watch. I really fucking hated it. I hated watching it. He's just so careless. Like he doesn't, it seems like. (laughs) not give a fuck. Like he's just pushed past any caring. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he ever had any. That's mm-hmm. a, it's like he doesn't, and he doesn't. Oh, I even, can see that. I can see that. But he also seems to be done <laughs> pretending. It uh-huh. seems like his whole life he was pretending to care mm-hmm. and it's mimicking like, uh, these feelings. At and this it's point, almost, yeah, I'm done. Point, mm-hmm. Like he, he never seems to be disempowered. Like he never comes across as disempowered, and it's just so weird. Um, but lastly, I'm going to talk about the execution because I think the execution is really mm-hmm. interesting. Um, People acted like it was a fucking party. They show up outside in mass, um, outside the prison, celebrating. They spectators everywhere. They've got signs. They've got fucking swag for this event. Uh-huh. They had t-shirts made. Um, I was literally, as I was watching the footage of this, I was just writing down like the shit on the shirts and the shit on their signs because it was so wild to me. I was like, whoa, these people are hardcore. Um they love the death penalty. Like, I was like, this. Oh. I mean, yeah, it's, Ted Bundy was terrible, but the turnout for this was a little bit um, in poor taste. But the swag items included signs that said BBQ Bundy. Mm-hmm. Uh, had him as like a little cook, like a little chef. He's in like a little <laughs> outfit, and it's like a red imprint on a white shirt. Um, some of the other shirts said things like Burn Bundy Burn. So it's like, you uh-huh. know, they have Catchy. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, yeah, there's that. Um, And it's, like, it's basically a fucking circus. It's wild. There are literal fireworks. People are shooting off fireworks. They did a countdown. After how horrified they were when he, like, escaped. You know, this is his escape artist situations. They're so happy. I can see them being happy and celebrating Mm -hmm. this. Like, they don't ever have to worry. Because they're not even safe with him in jail. You're exactly Mm -hmm. right. The public was terrified, so I get it. This was the end of the reign of terror, Mm -hmm. Um, but the fucking literal fireworks, they counted it down like New Year's Eve, like they did a countdown to his death, and they all celebrated and wooed and shot fireworks. So it was quite a scene, you guys. That's fucking Ted Bundy. I left out the horrific details of the crimes because there were honestly so many and so Mm -hmm. close together. Other than giving you a rough overview, like, I'm glad I didn't trigger warning too Mm -hmm. many times in here. Because, like, if you want to know the details of the crimes, you can find that information. This would be a four-hour podcast if I were to go Mm -hmm. into all that detail. We really, for the purposes of what we're going to do with the chart, we really want to just get more of his personality and his approach to things. And, Mm -hmm. like, more criminological and psychological perspective from this Mm -hmm. uh, before we move into his chart because uh, really nobody wants to hear the horrific things he did if you do like it's it's not a secret it's very easy to find so um from that now that we've got this shit done we're gonna chart this bitch because he's a bitch and we <laughs> hate him all right here we go here we go we're gonna chart the biggest bitch of all time ted theodore fuck face bundy let's go <laughs> I don't think that was his middle name. It's, it really it was. And <laughs> Crowley, Crowley, Crowley. We looked up his original name too. Ted. Robert Theodore Robert Bundy. Okay, that Theodore does sound Robert right. Cowell Bundy. That does sound correct. Sounds a little bit more correct than fuckface. I had, yeah, you were, you were close. It's close to being correct. Okay, 
All right, so we got another mic situation going on. More tech issues. I'm not sure why. <laughs> we have all the backup recordings, though, so we're not losing any content. Mm -hmm. We're just trying to make our way, as we all are trying to do every single day. <laughs> I can stop talking. I like it. I like it a lot. That's all right, so now I'm pulling back up uh, Ted's chart. Let's see. We just filmed a video for our Patreon. We did. Um, and we went over, my sister came to visit. We went over her chart and mine and hers a yeah, little bit. We had a and special guest. Ted and we, Bundy fa special facts and some. Yeah. Um, it just kind of like behind the scenes fun chart things. Uh, mm -hmm. Fun similarities between siblings. As an only child, I had a lot of questions. And the psychology behind that. Yeah, we talked about mm -hmm. psychology. We talked about Ted Bundy. We talked mm -hmm. about astrology. We talked about chips and salsa. So, you know, um, it's a lot more personal than what we put out on mm -hmm. the main page. So if you are interested in any of that fantastic content, <laughs> Patreon. Patreon. <Okay>. <laughs> Let's get into his chart now. Because <laughs> he's terrible. Alright. So. Ted Bundy. Theodore. Robert. I was going to say shit. Face, shit face. <laughs> Cowell Bundy. There's too many names. Too many names. Um, he. He is. Um, he was born the day after a new moon. So. His. Uh. Sun and Moon are still in the same sign. Um, he is a Sagittarius Sun and Sagittarius Moon. He has a stellium in this sign. With this is all sitting here with his Mars, his South Node, and his Lilith. Um, his rising is Leo. He ha also has Saturn and um, Pluto in Leo in retrograde. Both of those retro retrograded. Yeah, this is part of fortune there, too. That's the other thing. Okay. Um, let's see. He also has a stellium in Scorpio uh, with Chiron, Jupiter, Venus retrograde, Mercury retrograde, and Juno there. Um, let's see. That's the overview. Okay, got it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so, where do I want to start? My notes are a little chaotic with him. It, I yeah, you took mad um, notes while I was doing my part. I was like, oh, okay. mad woman. So I'll just kind of go as as I feel called here. It may feel a little random the way I'm going through this, but um, hmm. one thing that I thought about right away was how he is a Sagittarius, but he's known for like, um, I mean, it's not really contradictory, but uh, being a Sagittarius. And also having such, like, um, persistence through, like, I don't know, he just, he did such an impressive amount of killing in such a short amount of time, mm -hmm. kind of, you know? Like, it's, it's a real dedication there, where sometimes people see Sagittarius and it's like, oh, they, they're just kind of, like, going with the wind and doing whatever calls to them. Um, where he has, like, a consistent victims, consistent, like, things about his crimes. Not mm -hmm. all, not... All down, all the way down to the teeth, but like the same type of girl, right, right. His typology, same. his mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're and right. so um, I noticed that he is known for like a lot of that because his midheaven is in Taurus, and he's known for like some of those that steadfast, like consistent, yeah. like here we go. And he has Pholus and Pallas conjunct in Capricorn, and his vertex conjunct them in Capricorn and Pholus 
it makes everything like really extra like to the point where it you can kind of lose yourself in your soulless placement mm -hmm. um and palace is the strategic energy where you're really like uh, it's a feminine strategic type placement um where you're really making decisions and listening to um it's kind of like deep wisdom within yourself but for him you know it's just like uh, kind of practically laying out what he's gonna do in his head and like getting it's like this is an emphasis on goals okay um so he has like these go really really strong goals that can really be just so compelling to him mm -hmm. is what it seems like um and there's like access at like a and so there's that structural component coming from those placements on his chart um he also does have um his North Node and Gemini, which makes him a little more practical. As he wants, he is like craving to become more practical, think more uh, common sense, kind of be more amongst the people as he gets, you know, that's what he's wanting, the direction he's wanting to go in his life. Your North Node is your life path, your destiny, where you're wanting, the direction you want to go in life. Um, so having this there, he wants to be more in the community. He also wants to become known. His uh, North Node is in the 10th house still. So he, he is like fine to become no, well-known, get that notoriety. He, it is his destiny to have that, um, even if he didn't really realize he wanted that. Mm. Um, and a lot of that comes from him just not caring. Um, you know, that double Sagittarius, he has that on his South Node. The thing is, the thing with his Sagittarius placements are that they're all on his South Node, and whatever's on your South Node is you know it's something that you kind of reject in yourself you tend to reject in yourself because it's your past it's like what you're moving away from it's like well that's my old life you know i want to do my north node like mm -hmm. i don't want to do this so but when you're when your main placements are on your south node you have moon on your south node yeah um it makes you dislike that part of yourself it makes you kind of you like like oh i'm trying to move away from that but you can't move away from that because it is you it's a core That's part so of yourself i was thinking about how that plays out <laughs> on my chart as you said you have this on your chart because i was like okay this uh -huh. I, I started doing i started doing that exact thing that's so funny um it's really funny <laughs> and so he has his moon there and mars and lilith and sun so it's like a lot of himself he just does not care about um it makes it where he is absent in emotion he is absent in in this kind of like um and it, it it makes this really difficult part of his chart. Um, I see this as a really prominent issue for him. Uh, let's see. And you know, Sagittarius is willing to really go far, and it's kind of carefree and careless, anyways. And then if you're also like, oh, I just don't really have emotions, um, it makes it like you can you really are just able to do what you want without without the guilt like he's talking yep. about. He actually um, quoted himself mm -hmm. on that. Like, and, yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, so lucky to not feel guilt like the rest of you. Like, yes. that's basically what You're, he fucking said. He's willing to rely on luck and, like, the universe to take care <laughs> of him. And for a long, he rode that out for a while. He carried, he killed a lot of people and didn't really, he was very laissez-faire, like, um, you know, uh, I'm just gonna, like, I'm gonna tell him my first name. Yes. I mean, I'm not gonna wear a mask. I'm just going to kind of show up and do my thing and it's going to be good. Like, uh, that's very like Sagittarius mindset. Um, completely. He it was willing to really like 
figure out the figure out like how the underlying current of like how things work and like uh, that Scorpio nature he has with all the Scorpio placements he was mm -hmm. really willing to kind of investigate and learn psychology and learn about how like you know the inner workings of how these people are gonna react and operate um <laughs> Yeah, and it's interesting because he, he did all of that mm -hmm. just to be more manipulative, just to keep on yes. living this other way, mm -hmm. just to keep on being like, well, here I am, just showing up. Like, that's his only form mm -hmm. of preparation. And it was probably, it was, and it was probably like, genuinely fascinating. Yeah. Him. Like, based off these Jupiter, Jupiter and Scorpio, uh, Chiron, you know, people are always motivated to learn about, like, especially with psychology. Like, I feel like if you're, like, if you have mm -hmm. trauma, you're kind of, you are more prone to want to learn about that. Uh, so, and then, you know, Venus is there, Mercury, right, and those are retrogrades that are really internalized, too, like, wanting to be kind of reflective on himself and to be able to use that again. Um, he's committed to it, Juno is there. Um, let's see, and he uses this knowledge as well, is, uh, he has that Thing where he plays these characters right yep. he's able to do, kind of do this like role play situation uh he can use that knowledge um with his venus or not venus, <laughs> what is the venus? as a senate in leo mm -hmm. um he's like well i'm gonna play Actor. yeah here we go mm -hmm. we'll, we'll play into this for it's almost like a fun thing for him and it's very casual like you know <laughs> sagittarius energy comes off really casual <laughs> and then he can kind of perform and he has this, like, psychology thing. And, and Scorpio also, when you have a lot of Scorpio placements, you kind of do get that feeling of, like, oh, I'm just really dark and cold. And, you know, like, I, I can handle the the worst of the of the worst, like, uh, harshest conditions of the world. Like, this, That's like, depressive type of thing. And it's like, like, I've gone to the depths of my depression and I can, you know, it's very, like, Scorpio-y. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh... <laughs> You know, it's that death energy, that transformation, because Scorpio deals with that so much in their in their energetic space, um, where you're you're constantly just things are like being killed off completely, and then you're re rising again. Like this, it's very um, anyway. Not to get off on a tangent, but, but he did have like um, those big transformative mm -hmm. time periods where it almost yes. like he killed off and reinvented parts of himself. And his sun sign is only at two degrees Sagittarius. It is cusping Scorpio, so this is. Very, his he also has a flavor of Scorpio on his son as well. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, so it's very much like that. Um, and like you said, like he was able to go to different places, and he kind of right. Like, he was a little bit like not transient, but like he like uh, he lived in different like areas. He moved on. Like that's also kind of really Sagittarius. Yeah, and the higher learning stuff. He and not only learning, learned about yes. one subject. He's like, I want to learn Chinese, and I want to go to law school, and I want to get a psychology degree. He did all these mm -hmm. things. And, and those it's... are all very like Scorpio, Sagittarius mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. um, his ninth house is his ninth house cusp is in Aries. He's very like, he's very propelled to do those things. Very exciting to, to learn more and, and expand further. Um, he's got, and also, you know, the stellium in Scorpio and Sagittarius, all of that is, again, like, wanting to learn how things work and uh, go the distance and really learn you know, higher education. Like you said, that's another note I had. Several degrees. Mm -hmm. um, so intelligent. Very, what a fucking waste. Mm -hmm. The, yeah, the judge Dude. actually said that to him in open really? court at the very I end. Love that. When he was sentenced, the judge looks right fucking at him and says, 
I would have loved to have you practicing law in this courtroom. You would have made an amazing attorney, you but you chose another path, brother. You chose another fucking mm-hmm. path. Like, it, did. It, it's such a waste when you think about mm-hmm. all of that. <laughs> another thing with him being kind of like more cold, and this also would have, I was just thinking, um, like, oh, this could have helped him in, <laughs> in, uh, in that kind of situation is he was able to detach more, um, he has Ceres and Aquarius, which can, you know, that Ceres and Aquarius can, like, you You almost feel more comforted being the outsider a little bit. Like, you're kind of mm-hmm. like, a, you know, you want kind of that, like, distance, kind of like a, like a cat. I sometimes joke about, like, how, like, a cat, when they want attention, they're there, and then, but they also kind of, they want to have their space. It's like know? a standoffish, but um, not. Mm-hmm, kind of like how you, you talk about sometimes with your Venus and yeah, Aquarius. it does that. Um it's like, it's like that, um, so, like, some of that feeling, that's your foundation for love, like, you're, um, you know, if he was in a courtroom and he was having a battle, like, if he had become a lawyer, um, he might, he wouldn't have to deal with so much of that, like, oh, I feel bad for the defendant, you know? (laughs) He felt bad for no one, Mm -hmm. yeah, he's very detached, Mm -hmm. even in his close relationships, when you look at the relationship he had with Liz, Mm -hmm. which was long-term, long-standing, For several several years mm-hmm. and that I you know he was able to put up the facade of you know being this guy and she had a child so mm-hmm. he basically raised a, a daughter meanwhile one of his victims was a 12 year old girl you know that was one of the things that really messed with Liz a lot was like how how were you doing these things mm-hmm. um like that that was just one of the things that was just so difficult for her to get past when it's it like, all came well, out yeah and, um, <laughs> Yeah, but just, you know. That deep deception. As detached as he could be, he could certainly pretend, the actor, mm-hmm. I feel like as Leo, like he could mm-hmm. certainly pretend to be. That and that Sagittarius <laughs> energy. He could yeah. just so casually be like, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so. I see what's going on. It's, I, I'm, I'm the police officer. Because <laughs> that's I'm as much as the cops. I like, <laughs> you know, like I. Um, that, there's a lot of charm that can come through with that Sagittarius. He also has charm coming through um, with that Neptune. He has Neptune in uh, Libra. So that's kind of like a veil you can put on. It's 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 a, another part of like deception as an aspect of um, Neptune. Mm-hmm. And having it in Libra makes it really like, uh, like also kind of pleasant and calm and easygoing, you know. Uh, that balancing nature of Libra. Libra can, have, can be very charming. Yeah. Um, and it's everybody described in that way. It's just, you know, and when you watch him, when you watch, you can see so much footage of him. It's it's mm-hmm. It's mind-blowing knowing what he did and then watching how he conducts himself. It's like only, I feel like... Uh, Carol was one of the name of the survivor who jumped out of the car that he tried to handcuff and mm-hmm. like basically was kind of his undoing. Mm-hmm. She's like the only person who saw that side of him and lived to tell about it. It's wild, insane. I still can't get over like how arrogant and how like uh, like he's just like uh, I'm gonna care, represent care myself, carefree, <laughs> but going the distance with what he wants to do, you know, so and crazy. so arrogant. I mean, you give it. That, that's another part of that Leo rising. It's like he gave it to me. Mm-hmm. Like he was like, here, this is who I am. This, this is my face. Uh, this is my car. It's broad daylight. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he had the audacity Very to attack rising. two women went mm-hmm. missing within a four-hour period from the same location. The audacity. 
And they were, and like, it still, they, like, he was not mm-hmm. found for a long time after. And for him to also be seen as, like, fairly attra- like attractive. That's why he Another neo-rising type of situation. Oh, and very man. alluring, that Scorpio energy coming through. Oh, oh yeah. Leo rising cliche. I didn't even think mm-hmm. about that. It's funny. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly, though. We talk about it a lot, too, and it's totally, like, over my head. It's so funny. Um, let's see, where else did I have notes here? I almost need to, like, cross off the ones I already yeah, said. Yeah, cross them off. Um, the Scorpio stellium also, I was gonna say, uh, it also, appeal, like, speaks to, like, how much sexual, um components there were to his crimes and how he 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 was always like talking about how he's like such like a sexual type of person like that's, 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 that's like that's just like such a scorpio thing um scorpionic stellium issue uh coming through i think um i think that sounds pretty on brand mm-hmm. uh literally <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to like get into that too much because it's just it's just gross. Like um, yeah, he's very gross. We don't need to talk about how gross. Yeah, because I can is. I can break down some of that. I don't really want to. Um, let's see. Man, he's so gross. Because he has that intensity there, but also like that absent uh, absence of emotion coming in, uh, like the intensity from Scorpio, but then. Um, it's like he's very, really easy, it's really easy for him to hide that, that part of himself. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that is in conflict with squares down to his Saturn retrograde and Pluto retrograde, which I'm going to talk about a little bit more in a minute. That's all in his 12th house uh, in Leo. So there was like some issues there, obviously. Um, Saturn squares, always very difficult. Saturn square, Jupiter, in Scorpio, square Ceres, um, and there's another square with Midheaven. It's just very, uh, Saturn squares are so difficult. <laughs> um, I, uh, again, my notes are crazy. There's a lot um, going on so then, Yeah, so then <laughs> he's got, he's got the, and then the, out with the absence of feeling, um, there's a lot of this empowerment too, like he, with that Lilith placement also being with his Sagittarius stellium going on, where he feels like, well, I'm able to like do something about it, you know? I'm mm-hmm. able to like take, <laughs> manipulate the situation in my favor. Um, They're going to put me in jail. Because of my absence of emotion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm only here for now. Like he doesn't seem to... It doesn't seem to deter him whatsoever. No, no, it's that's just so wild to me. It was. Mm. He's like, it's fine. I'm not going to be here long anyway. I'm going to starve myself and squeeze through the ceiling and walk out. It's going to be fine. I can also oh oh one little side note I made uh, the ski the downhill skiing. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> I was like, what a Sagittarius type of hobby. <laughs> it's so random. <laughs> Like, oh, yeah, we're going to just go on these little trips and these trips and do, like, downhill ski. Like, that is just so, it just seems it like. It is adventurous. It is very adventurous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, got to think on your feet. We're going to ride the, the the snow. Like, it's <laughs> so very, funny. like, all right. Yeah, it feels uh, we're gonna go with, mm-hmm. It feels, mm-hmm. 
I've been skiing. It's, it's very nice. active. You yeah. Know, you, yeah. It's very, it's very sedentary. <laughs> it reminds so me of like when people also take up like rock climbing when they're uh-huh. climbing these big boulders. Like it's a similar vibe to me. I think it ties in. Um, on more on his north and south node, you can see a lot of his parental issues. Okay. Um, so, okay. This is like a whole thing. Yeah, I'm excited for this. Um, so his, where do I want to start? Obviously, not knowing who his mom was until later in life, um, kind of shows up as this moon on the south node situation. Um, and her, and it being like a, she felt, he views his mom as like having an issue with her own empowerment, like not being able to claim her own child with that mm-hmm. Lilith conjunction and Mars and not doing what she needed to do, um, not being able to fight. Like he had all, and he, these are all the things he felt were wrong with his mom, um, that were absent with his mom. He felt his mom was absent in a way, even though she was there, just, it was like not who he thought. Right. Um, which also comes up as his Chiron in his third house, where um, you can see kind of, like, the family and, like, uh, siblings and things like that, where Chiron, you can see, like, a trauma there. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, his Chiron is also in Scorpio. Um, trauma with, like, deception and lies. And also probably sexuality, where I really am wondering if he was violated or not as a child. Why that, I don't know. Yeah, there's not um, anything that I, um, that he's absolutely never mm-hmm. said anything about it publicly, right. um, and it's not, you know. Or even just feeling that his mom could have, I don't the t- really that know. That was the talk, there's so much we don't that know. That was some of the rumors was the relationship possibly, mm-hmm. allegedly, maybe, that he right. was the illegitimate child of his biological grandfather, um. Which, if that is the case, mm-hmm. and that's who he's spending time around a mm-hmm. lot of times, child predators don't mm-hmm. uh, differentiate between gender. They don't mm-hmm. necessarily care. It's just the young, yeah. immature victim that they, and the submissiveness of the young person that they are attracted to. So, that if that were plausible, it's a possibility. There's so many possibilities. That's, mm-hmm. And I feel like, for whatever reason, something tells me he wouldn't talk about it. If I don't it did think he happen, would. He just, something about why it. Why would he? I, you know, why would he? It doesn't serve him. If yeah. it doesn't serve him, I don't feel like he's going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But then again, nobody expected him to confess to all the murders either. So I don't... I, I, don't, don't I feel like he knew he was, there was no way he'd get get away with it at, that, at a certain point. Well, I mean, he waited until like, well, the night... well, might as well give it up. He <laughs> waited until the night before they killed him oh to God. confess. Yeah, might as well give it up. So I, that's what's so weird <laughs> is he didn't have to. So I'm wondering, like... I don't know. Maybe just to kind of have the legacy of. You know, Maybe. I don't. I don't know. It's interesting. It's a whole thing. Mm. I could, yeah, I could see a lot of different things. That Leo rising just maybe even wanting, wanting the attention, wanting the fame of it. Yeah. The, I've already done like, it all. Mm-hmm. I might as well be yeah. infamous. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know that he really cared about that either. It's. I don't think he cared about anything. It's so weird. He's such a weirdo. <laughs> so Such a creep. more with those parents the dad stuff is shown with the sun sign and the saturn um which also i see saturn sometimes as like a grandfather figure so that makes this more interesting mm-hmm. um so, so the sun also being conjunct the south node again like an absent father dynamic 
Um, this is all trying his Saturn placement, Saturn in the 12th house, again, like something um, that in its conjunct Pluto, it's like there's this intensity there, but like cage feeling to it. And like, because um, the 12th house is kind of how you're, you are like, you put yourself in a cage. It can also show like hidden um, talents, which I thought was something interesting with like the uh, Pluto being there and Saturn, how it was like uh, he had this like really cold um, death type of situation going on with his life. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if you're going to consider that a talent, I don't know. Um, but something he made useful in his life for sure. Also, what showed up as his uh, him being imprisoned, another 12th house thing. Um, so I think a lot of this ties down to the father issue and the grandfather potentially because um, there's just so much going on with his chart related to that and like his parents and the problems with his parents. Because um, having that like horrible, intense grandfather, but him also being like, oh, but it was good. Like it's, yeah, it's, well, it's, it's, it's that like, um, <laughs> It's very like Sun conjunct South Node, and it's very uh, Saturn in Leo in the twelfth house. You know, it's like very like oh, it's good, but it's horrible. Like <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, it's it's that, a lot of that it's energy so like double entendre on his chart, which makes me think it's like really intense. Because um, I think mm -hmm. when something's really strong in people's lives, it can show up in multiple ways on their chart through their chart. That's why I think when you listen to people do readings, sometimes like they'll say the same things, but they'll be saying it because of different reasons on their chart, and it's like. They picked up on it, like, because it shows up in multiple places. Yeah. And um, it's like, okay. <laughs> well, like, this is everywhere, so. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you've seen that with a lot of people, like, that we've mm -hmm. talked about on this podcast. Like, mm -hmm. I specifically remember Eileen Warnos being one that you were like, this is everywhere. Mm -hmm. like, <laughs> like, it's everywhere. Everything bad, it's everywhere. It's, everywhere. <laughs> it's all over the place. Like, unknown unknown father like mystery very you know, that pluto energy is very mysterious it's all retrograded like it's <sighs> this is stuff that you don't you don't get to like have handed to you it's not things handed to you oh my god word it's things that you don't have like handed to you in life like the way that they sh they typically show up uh, um, the cards were dealt wrong to this person. When you it, say, like, they were dealt the bad hand, like, mm -hmm. sometimes with people. Like, it take, it's going to take a lot. It's, if he was going to find out who his dad was or if he was, you know, maybe he didn't know. I don't know. Um, it, it wouldn't have been until much later in life. Mm -hmm. um, but, obviously, I don't think that was one. I, I like, don't think that was something he actually pursued to figure mm -hmm. out. But if he was going to figure that out, I think it would have been later in life. Um his dad probably saw him on the news for all of these horrific crimes and was like, mm -hmm. <laughs> glad I ran away from that. Or like, you know, like, oh my God. Total speculation. Mm -hmm. Total speculation on my part. There's <laughs> no validity to that statement. Ooh, it's getting late here, guys. Sorry. I know. We are, we've had, we had a, a break in between where we did Patreon things. <laughs> well, and he wants to move more away from this energy of the bad parent situation. He wants to move towards his north node, like I said earlier, which is in Gemini. He wants to have this more, like, adaptive, quick, 
like multitasking, practical, <laughs> short-term pursuits kind of thing going on. Um, and it's, it's, it's conjunct Uranus as well. So he wants to be able to be like uh, his individual self and do his own thing. And like, um, like and that has retrograde as well on his chart. He has several retrogrades. Mercury retrograde, Venus retrograde, Uranus retrograde, Saturn retrograde, and Pluto retrograde. Ooh. And a heavy south node conjunction. Uh, a lot of things are very internalized for him. And it's my, it, these are probably things that he never really dealt with in his life, I'm, I don't think. Because um, why? You know, he had no, I don't think he had any reason to really want to deal with them. Uh, especially, you know, that moon south node thing, like, why? Um, you know, and the Mars is there too. That's in, that affects his ambition. Like, why? Like, you know. Um, oh, and that is something that uh, Stephanie Brooks said that he struggled with, which is why she broke up with him. Like, you don't need motivation. And then he suddenly found all this motivation for a bunch of fucked up shit, and mm -hmm. like became almost like overachiever in a lot of different ways. But apparently, motivation was previously like a struggle. I could see it. So mm -hmm. there was a shift in there. Yeah, because then it became about, like, his compulsions rather uh -huh. than, like, a, a genuine drive, That's you know? That's so accurate, yeah. Uh, but him, like, yeah, having, like, an... There's so much with this, I don't give a shit. <laughs> we gotta keep moving. Um, tr his trial, uh, I'm looking towards the, like, seventh house with this. Also somewhat of, the, like, the eighth house a little bit because it was, it, you know, it did turn into, like, execution um, and jail with twelfth house. Um... So his seventh house cusp is Aquarius. Uh, there is a square. I thought this was interesting. Um, there was a, well, it also shows, first of all, Aquarius being like, um, kind of like that, uh, kind of edgy, laid back type of like vibe. It kind of reminds me of kind of how he dealt with the trial a little bit, like some of the attitude he brought to the trial. Mm -hmm. um, also it was trine Uranus, which is more of that energy where it's like, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to be, like, my spontaneous, um, kind of, like, whatever I feel like, um, unique, individualistic self, and kind of, like, a little bit colder about it, because I have this, he, it's almost like you looked at it from, like, a higher type of view, like a balcony view, kind of mm -hmm. like, well, this is the trial, uh, I'm this character in this trial. <laughs> um, I'm going to throw a wedding in here. I mean, <laughs> he's like, <laughs> yep. And that's the thing I was going to say. He has a square over to Juno. Um, it, it, and this, and this Juno placement is also trying his eighth house. So it's, it's, um, it's tied with uh, this. Uh, <laughs> Juno is commitments. It's marriages. Um, and it is in Scorpio. So he, it shows this tie to how he used this trick with the court system in his trial um, to have a marriage, which is so lovely. Venus is also there, don't worry. <laughs> um, so this is just, this is laid out great for him to be able to work that in. Um, let's see, past that, we've got some execution stuff. I'm definitely excited to hear about what you see with what I witnessed for Without you. even looking at the death chart yet. Okay, okay, okay. Um, his eighth house is a Pisces cusp, so it makes me really think about how it was. this was so romanticized. 
uh, by so many people and fantasize how people got so like wrapped up in the excitement of this. They it's almost just like did. like in their own in another world. Like you gotta dreamy. watch the footage of it. It's nuts. Um, it's oh like a God. concert. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it seriously is like a concert. It's really something. Yes. People are so excited. They were like devoted to it. Like, it's a little had, tacky. He has um. <laughs> And this marriage also gave him like benefits through the death row experience with the eighth house. Uh, how he became a father. I um, forget he about a father that. in jail again with that like Saturn in the twelfth house. Um, there's a trine from that marriage he had over to his eighth house. You know, it's just a lot of a lot more of that showing up again. Um, Oh, let's see. Um, his trial. Did they? What did they decide? When you, I guess, his sentencing would have been right. The so the sentencing uh, hearing is actually where he did his whole marriage. So that's, what, that's what sentenced I to death uh -huh. while to the electric chair. Yeah. at that stage. Uh -huh. So so I thought it was interesting with the Aquarius placement. It's like oh, very innovative and electric. We're gonna use a we're gonna use technology, technology to kill you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> also, the, on his square, or there's a square from Uranus to his eighth house cusp. Um, again, technology. Wow. Mm. Wow. Fantastic. Um, also, I think this marriage thing he had really just entertained him really uh -huh. well. Absolutely. During the end. Like, you can see that on the chart for sure with that trying over to Juno again. And Venus on his eighth house cusp. It's like, wow. Um, yeah, it really did seem like it was just a a thing for him to do. Mm -hmm. It's not even like... You could also interpret Pluto in the 12th house as his death and in jail. Um, Alright, death chart. Yes, I'm so excited. Should we pull it up alone? For, no, I want to pull it up against you. <laughs> I like how death sound cats. Yeah, it, it makes it easier when I'm trying to look over stuff really fast. Okay. We've got what is happening in the eighth house? Oh, we have Ceres in the eighth house. Um, where is he sending the death chart? I, I didn't look at this beforehand, so you'll have to give me a second. There's so much going on with the sinistry charts. Like every time I see mm -hmm. it, I'm just like. It's hard to tell what's what for me. Oh, the midheaven is flipped. Yeah, so there was, there was his, again, his death was a big deal. He's got midheaven opposition. Um, and the midheaven opposition hits his, his Scorpio um, conjunct Pluto. So very, like, death-focused. Right at that time of death, um, people knew about it. Mm -hmm. Like, people really knew about it. That's crazy. Um, that was a well-known death, yeah. what that looks like on the chart. Um, it was Aquarius season when he died. <laughs> um, there's something going on with Ceres then, because the sun was conjunct with Ceres, St. Ceres in the 8th house.
Okay, so he had um, the rising sign of his death chart is conjunctus polis, which is one of, was the first thing I looked at when I saw his chart was that polis placement that I mentioned earlier, where you just get like really carried away with stuff, mm -hmm. whether it's uh, good or bad, <laughs> you just get super carried away. Um, it, it's really tied in with that, and that is sextile over to his Scorpio stellium. Again, with it being Aquarius season, I kind of really like that with the electric chair. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much going on on this fun. chart. Okay. And then we got... Yeah, there's a lot going on. I have extra extra aspects turned on with some of the house cusps right now, so that's part of the bit. But it's extra what's going on. Okay, okay. <laughs> and it's taking even longer. Like, there are so many lines happening. There are a lot of lines. Oh, hey. Alright, so his eighth house cusp of his death chart is in his first house of his natal chart. So, the de the house of death came over his rising. into Like, right, right where. And the moon was in his first house um, at the time of death. The south node was in his first house in Juno. So some of the prominent things on his mind and on his, um, you know, in his karmic space where, you know, you're taking in like your karmic lessons, the energy hitting him directly right then is stuff that comes up in your first house. Um, and so those were his absence of emotion issues, literally another moon conjunct south node situation. And, you know, that marriage that he had. Golly. <laughs> like, well, I had a kid. I got married. Right I, I've really accomplished everything. I, I feel like really that funny. is how you probably... And you said uh, the night before he confessed? I was actually going to ask if you see anything about that. Yeah, he, the night before his execution, I'm not sure how many hours before. We'll say, like evening like 8 I'll put roughly 8 p.m. it's interesting because they normally do executions uh, in the middle of the night mm -hmm. so it's interesting that they did this one at 7 a.m. so it makes me wonder I also didn't look up his last meal and I normally do I want to mm -hmm. know his last meal like there's so many things I want to like know about now I also could see him being the type to refuse a last meal just mm -hmm. to be that way for whatever reason that feels kind of on brand like something he might do like whatever that <laughs> Or or being ridiculous and getting something like a like a like a black coffee. Like I can see him being <laughs> doing something bitchy like that. Uh -huh. Yeah, he's got that's something else I mentioned he's earlier snarky. when we were talking. He's got like this sense of humor, Sagittarius Scorpio humor, where it's like we're gonna make light of things, but we're gonna do it in a really dark way. Right. But it's all everything is funny. We actually talked about um, that on the Patreon episode. So mm -hmm. if you want to hear the detail about that, about yes. some of the crime details, we talk specifically about that on Patreon. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So we did talk about it, just not here. I know, that's what I was <laughs> referencing. Nice. Um, I, I feel like, hmm. yeah, the, it only moves, the moon is still in his first house. Um, during the evening, the ascendant would have come over his ascendant again. Um, between 7 and 8, 9 p.m., somewhere in there. So there is, um that that makes me think maybe around then that's 
since they said the evening because that's Sounds when plausible. that's when it would have also been hitting the moon at that time. So his like direct energy would have been really hitting that um, place of emotion and absence of emotion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so I just really think that's interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I like seeing it spin. The moon was also. <laughs> in Leo that evening, so it really just, again, plays into, like, that ascendant energy where the next morning when he, um, was executed, it had moved into Virgo. Still in his first house, but it was in Virgo at that point. Uh, Right on the south node, like his natal moon. How lovely. Lovely. How lovely. Let's see. Anything else? I mean, I guess for me, like, the thing that I was hoping would really show up, and I guess it kind of did, was just the outer reaction, the reaction of the public to his execution was, I mean, you did mention it, but I just, I felt like it was going to show up in a Jupiter is in his 10th house, again, that's, like, more well-known. Pholus is in his Mm -hmm. 10th house, again, like, oh my god, this is amazing, exaggerated. Um, You know, Pholus exaggerates. Which was also conjunct his north node. Um, so, yeah, there is a public. I think I'm, I'm just not sounding very excited because I'm tired. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> I guess that was the thing that I just wanted. Um, I feel like the only it other... It definitely showed up in his death chart. Is this is okay. a very well-known death. Yeah. Like, this is very, this is very well-known. I think the only other thing that I would really be interested in knowing about Ted Bundy himself, like not even his death chart, was just Mm -hmm. kind of like the levels of aggression because we didn't see it um, as the public. Like nobody um, blatantly saw it. His Mm -hmm. victims saw it. And the level, you can see it in the the evidence. I think it's... The types of crimes and just kind of where that aggression, obviously it feels like Mars, but I'm like, where is... Like, Mm -hmm. like where is... I, it's the, I think it's in his Scorpio It stallion. is in Scorpio, okay. I think it's that, it's because he's, uh, especially if he's taking out this all-on similar-looking women, I think this is something in his head that he has, like, focused on, on this one type of person, mm-hmm. this one aesthetic of a person where he can, like, see a similar person and put that on that, that girl, that, that woman, you know, like, mm-hmm. make it about them when it's not really about them. I think he's got um, revenge in a way. That he's taking out and some of that's sexualized and it's very it's just very scorpio okay yeah. um and scorpio is also ruled by mars it's pluto and mars yeah uh, so you've got both of those like really and this when a scorpio gets revenge oh my god it's very intense and i think and then you know that with taking it to the furthest extent with that sagittarius energy that's also a fire sign um again there's jupiter in in uh involved I just think there's, it shows up, but it doesn't show up in the same way that some of our other cases yeah, have. that's what's um, so interesting, but he also wasn't known for being aggressive in his real life, right. like some because of other Because it's only people. when the intensity comes out. It's only, mm-hmm. it's directed. Yeah. Like, Scorpio isn't, isn't just out to be, like, mean to everybody. Like it's they, so targeted. <laughs> it's targeted. Yeah. And I think that's where this is coming through. Like, it's, you wouldn't see, you wouldn't see it unless you were the target. Wow. You know? Okay. I really wanted to just kind of play oh, I like, on that. Oh, I like when you, yeah. 
ask yeah, for that, those things. It's the things that I, as a person who have in-depth studied the killer, would love to, like, dig You want to, like, dig into their yeah. mind. That's what helps me to know what to talk about. The so other thing, um, where was his Venus at again? I don't remember. Scorpio. Okay, again, Scorpio. it's just the the type of relationships <laughs> that he had were so interesting because even when they were committed and long-term, they were still so empty. Scorpio Venus is very and, intense. Yeah. And, you know, with, but the thing with, the, the, they are going to be empty because what's part, like, part of, okay, so part of, like, a relationship is that emotional connection and he is absent there. So he has that, like, where with his heart space stuff, with the Venus stuff, and like, I just, it's very, it's like more of like an attachment, I think, than, okay. than an emotional bond. Um, even though Scorpio Venus usually wants that deep, intense connection, so without the emotional part of that, you want loyalty. He wants to know that he can rely on this person to mm. be there. Um, for him, but it's not really an emotional bond. It's it's more of like a manipulative. Uh, he's leaning on the lower frequencies of Scorpio, I think, where you're manipulating um, to get people to like care for you. I don't mm-hmm. think that you know if if you're not having genuine emotional bonds, then you can't access the higher frequencies of Scorpio energy. In my opinion, you can't have the evolved Scorpio energy without processing any emotion ever. Um, <laughs> right. So, um, that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it does make sense because when you look at the first relationship with Stephanie and that became his fixation for the other crimes with her appearance and her thing and it was mm-hmm. this rejection for, and it was also this like revenge, like yeah. how dare you reject me? Mm-hmm. I'm just going to enact this on everybody else. Yes. Um, that's very Scorpio <laughs> Venus. Like I've been hurt. I'm going to take it out on every other person similar the rest of my life. Um, wow. That's very, very like, that, that that follows suit with that energy. And this is emphasized on his chart. It's magnified. He has Jupiter there. Um, he has, you know, this is very internalized as well. Like I said earlier, like it's very, um, retro, it's in retrograde. His mindset is focused on this with Mercury here, also in retrograde. Um, mm-hmm. This is his trauma. He has Chiron in Scorpio. There's just a lot of Scorpio stuff. Yeah. Is, and that shows up really intense. He seems so intense. Yeah, you just wouldn't see that necessarily uh, unless you were involved with him on that level. Right. You know? Um, and also that's another thing with Scorpio energy. Like, it doesn't it doesn't bear all to the world. It's not, like, vulnerable around everybody. Like, they, they, they conceal a lot of Mm-hmm. Like that Scorpio, you know, <laughs> it's like, and his sun sign is cusping Scorpio too, so it's a lot of concealment on things. I'm sure there's a lot about him that like nobody really know, knows, um, right? Or that he didn't let anyone continue to know. I don't think he ever let anybody actually know him because I feel like he didn't have a real genuine sense of self necessarily. No. It was just always about kind of getting what he wanted, not necessarily, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I and that's more in the absence of his internal self uh-huh. and the absence of himself. Uh, like, I'd be, at that stuff, I'd mm-hmm. be curious to see, like, other charts with um, sun and moon conjunct south nodes <laughs> um, and how those people are coping. 
but that's interesting. I can't think of anything else specific to ask. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about on your notes or anything? I think I got through all my notes. Yeah. Um, you know, I I think we might want to wrap it up because um I know this is a longer episode. Yeah. Already. But that happens whenever we talk about super heavy hitters that have committed extensive amounts of crimes and there's a lot and when we have death charts and we have more than one chart to look at, like it's always gonna be a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. Um but thank you guys as always for being here, for listening, for engaging with us. Um, we got another heavy hitter coming up for the next episode, so we're also going to continue with our Morgan Nick case uh, updates as that unfolds. But in the meantime, make sure that you like, follow, subscribe, get on our Patreon, hang out with us, uh, interact with us. We try to do cool, fun shit to keep you happy. Um, so please, love yourselves, take care of yourselves, and continue to chart all the bitches in your life. We'll see you later. Goodbye. Hand motions. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>